0: Hello, what's up and welcome to Infinite Cast.
1: A podcast. Yes. A pod, yes. Ah, <laughs> Gotcha. Uh, Stepped on your old intro there. We're going redeem
0: mode, folks. Full redeem. We're it's redemption, redemption. summer. Redemption.
1: It's redemption summer 2015. But not in the way
0: that you think. Uh is in as in like you have uh failed in something and this is the time to redeem. No, I'm talking about uh gift cards. Gift cards. Codes. codes, codes coupons. Deals. De- uh yes. Did you, <laughs> we're col- we're collecting all of our points that we've accrued on various connect- accounts we're and we're cashing, we are cashing them, in. them in. We're cashing them in. We're redeeming in our them. Chips. In, yeah. We're
1: redeeming them.
0: Yes. I have my life is, We shall be redeemed. My life up to now has been nothing but vouchers and I am returning them to the desk. <laughs> <laughs> my life has been nothing but vouchers.
1: I feel like this is like a like a monologue of being like all my life been nothing but vouchers. Now it's time to cash them in.
0: Yes, exactly. Yep. Uh, we're going redeem mode here in the in the Wade O'Brien Folks, household.
1: Uh, I'll I'll open this. You know who knows will pe- people will be listening to this podcast five years from now? It's yes. possible. You gotta you gotta ground yourself in some sense of time. It's currently May twenty first, twenty twenty two, and as of right now, right now, this very minute, if you're listening to this, you can get if you go to Applebee's. Uh, this is not spawn, not an ad. Hashtag not an ad. If you go to Applebee's and spend just a mere 25 American
0: dollars. Which is very easy to do at Applebee's. Which
1: is very easy to do because that restaurant is god-awfully expensive.
0: Well, I, as I was pointing out last, last night, it's but per calorie, it's actually not very expensive. It's a
1: great deal per calorie. If you're trying to ca- just calorie load, I can't think of a better yeah, restaurant like than a Applebee's. Bur- a
0: burger there is going to be like $19, but also the the Applebee's burger is like... 20,000 calories. It's one of the
1: most calorie dense menus known known to man. Yeah. Um but if you spend $25 there, you get uh you uh get a co- you and you save your receipt, you enter your check number into a redemption website and you get a $15 credit uh to see Top Gun Maverick uh in in theaters this summer and it, it's as simple as that. You, I was going to go to see Top Gun anyway and pay regular money for it, and now I don't have to because I went to Applebee's instead. Yes, exactly. You're leaving money on the table by not... If you're thinking of going to Top Gun, you might as well go to Applebee's. uh,
0: Yes, because then you you basically spend the Top Gun money on on a... uh, Delicious meal. On a delicious Applebee's meal. You're eating good in the neighborhood, and then you get to see Top Gun anyway.
1: And then you get to see Top Gun. And also, they have a promo this month with uh, Terramana tequilas, which, as we all know, or maybe we don't, (laughs) Dwayne the Rock Johnson's tequila brand, Terramana, which I actually think is pretty good yes do i know anything about tequila no, no.
0: uh you're leaving chicken di- dippers on the table folks you're
1: leaving you're leaving boneless boneless crunchy <sighs> wings anyway that if i'm sounding extra perky and chipper this morning it's because we i'm riding to, the wave of that deal
0: we, we went to applebee's last night we went to
1: applebee's last night but that we're not talking about Applebee's today on uh, no. on the infinite jest what We're do you talking think about?
0: david foster wall's favorite chain restaurant
1: was i bet that man fucked up a chili's real good you think he was a Perkins man because he was Illinois... He um, probably
0: went to at least one Perkins. He's
1: That's, an Illinois boy. Uh,
0: I bet he's weirdly a Burger King guy.
1: Over McDonald's? Yeah. Yeah. He liked junk food. He did, yeah. At least according to the end of the tour. Uh, his his insides were probably all fucked up.
0: All right. <laughs> uh,
1: let's get into it. Woo! From the desk of Helen Steepley, contributing editor, Moment Magazine... Thirteen four seven three blasted expanse boulevard <laughs> Tucson Arizona eight five seven zero four eight seven eight two slash two, and this is addressed to uh, Mr. Marlon K. Bain Saprogenic Greetings Incorporated BPL Waltham Building uh, twelve fourteen Totten Pond Road Waltham Massachusetts. Uh, o two one five four nine eight seven two slash four November Y D A U. Marlon Bain is the former roommate of Orin and Condensa from when they were together at ETA. Okay, so
0: another time, and we've heard of saprogenic greetings before.
1: Yes, dear Mister Bain. In Phoenix, on other business, it has been my good fortune to meet your adolescent friend, Mr. Oren J. Condenza, and to have become intrigued with the possibilities of a profile of the Incondensa family and its accomplishments in not only sports, but wide ranging topics such as independent film circa metropolitan Boston, past and present. I am writing to ask for your cooperation in contacting you with questions, which you could answer in writing, as I am informed by Mr. Oren and Condensa you dislike to meet people outside your home and office. I am hoping to hear from you in response to this request at your earliest in, 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 not inconvenience, convenience, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
0: That's the tone in which I like write emails where I'm asking people to do things for you. Please me.
1: could you do the thing for me? It'd be, for, it would but, be so nice. But
0: for, you, but for your earliest possible convenience, could you possibly at any time per, perhaps consider this offer?
1: Yes. Uh, here's the response. The letterhead is, Saprogenic greetings. When you care enough to let a professional say it for you, uh, with an asterisk that says a proud member of the Acme family of of gags and notions, prepackaged emotions, <laughs> jokes and surprises and wacky disguises. Ms. Helen Steeply and So on November Y D A U. Dear Ms. Steeply, fire away. VD MK Bain saprogenic Greetings slash Acme. From the desk of Helen Steeply, contributing editor. I, I will do a, 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 the rare uh you know, yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. Uh Mr. MK Bain, saprogenic Greetings, Inc., yada yada. Uh, Dear Mr. Bain, Q, 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 in parentheses, Q, Q, in brackets, Q, 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 in parentheses, Q, 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 in parentheses, Q, Q, which takes us, let's get ready, oh shit, did I fuck this up, to end note 269, which is going to be a long one, I just know it, sorry, I did lost you, the, uh.
0: Did you lose your second bookmark?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, here we go. Okay, great. No two sixty nine. Saprogenic greetings when you let when you care enough to let a professional say it for you. A proud member of the acne family of gags and dosh's prepackaged emotions, jokes and surprises, and wacky disguises. Ms. Helen Steepley and so on. November YDAU. Uh, to answer cue number one, Orrin and Condenza and I played, practiced, and generally hung out through most of what seemed at the time to be our formative years. We met because I kept encountering him across the net in the local tennis tournaments we played around Metro Boston, Boys 10s. We were the two best 10-year-old males in Boston. We soon became uh, uh, practice partners, our mothers driving us every weekday afternoon to a junior development program at the Auburndale Tennis Club in West Newton. After my own parents were horribly killed on the Jamaica Way commuter road one morning (laughs) in the freak crash of a radio traffic report helicopter. Wow. Do you know who, who would be in that uh, helicopter no um the lateral alice moore who is the secretary at eta and who can only move laterally after the helicopter crash
0: after a freak helicopter crash yeah
1: so i guess it killed his parents it's all coming together i became a sort of hanger-on at the incandenza house out in weston when joi founded the academy i was one of the first matriculants orin and i were inseparable "'until around age 15, when I reached my own zenith "'in terms of early puberty and athletic promise "'and began to be able to beat him. "'He took it hard. "'We were never inseparable again. "'We spent quantity time together (laughs) again briefly "'for a few months the next year during a period "'where we both experimented heavily "'with recreational substances. "'We both ended up losing enthusiasm for substances "'after only a couple years.' Orin, because he finally had entered puberty and had discovered the weaker sex and found he needed all his faculties and guile. Myself, because of a couple of really negative methoxy psychedelic experiences, left me with certain disabilities that to this day make normal life an exceptional challenge, and which I tend to blame on having done deadly serious hallucinogens at a sort of larval psychological age during which no American adolescent should be allowed to do hallucinogens. These disabilities led to my withdrawal from the Enfield Tennis Academy at 17 prior to graduation and my withdrawal from competitive junior tennis and contemporary life as we know it. Oren was largely burned out on tennis too by 17, though no one in his right mind could have foreseen a defection to organized U.S. football in his future. A grunting, crunching ballet of repressed homoeroticism football, Ms. steeply, on my view. The exaggerated breadth of the shoulders, (laughs) the masked eradication of facial personality, the uh, emphasis on contact versus avoidance of contact, the gains in terms of penetration and resistance, the tight pants that accentuate the gluteals and hamstrings, and what look for all the world like cod pieces, the gradual slow shift of venue to artificial surface, artificial turf. Don't the pants fronts look fitted with cod pieces? And have a look at these men whacking each other's asses after a play. It is like Swinburne sat down on his soul's darkest night and designed an organized sport and pay no attention to Oren's defense of football as a ritualized substitute for armed conflict. Armed conflict is plenty ritualized on its own. And since we have real armed conflict, take a spin through Boston's Roxbury and Mattapan districts some evening. There is no need or purpose for a substitute. (laughs) Football is pure, homophobically repressed Nancyism, and do not let O
0: tell you different. Uh, Who was the first person who had the genius insight uh, that was like, hey, football's kind of gay? No. I'm sure somebody felt real smart about that in like the '60s, Didn't, like a cocktail party, some guy in like a black turtleneck with a, cig- a cigarette, being like, "Have you noticed that this new televised football is, what's well, kind of gay?" It's Kind of gay. Somebody's what, like, "Wow, you're." Did so Teddy smart.
1: Roosevelt play football?
0: Uh, he was. He did play football. He's a leatherhead. In fact, I believe like, uh, r- you know, th- that would have been around the era that the like rules and regulations of like what was recognizably m- American football were coming together. I'm sure he loved it. He liked he, any. He liked any reason to to, to, to be f- tough to fight. I yeah. love one of one of the most powerful
1: male brains of all time, Teddy Roosevelt.
0: He's a, he's a real Chad. I really like him. Yeah, I, w- I wish
1: more people would try to emulate him. Yeah. You know,
0: well he he's he is a man who went his own way. He
1: went, He's a bull, he's a bull fucking moose.
0: Because the uh, the thing is, is that yes, he was into the, all that vigor stuff, uh, but also he was like a boat scholar and like yeah, he
1: was a smart. He was a, he was an intellectual. Like one of
0: his first like man in the world type things is writing a a naval like history of naval tactics at age like 21. That was so good that within two years of its publishing, it was mandated to be on every boat in the U S Navy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's, he's got, he's got it going on.
0: He kind of fucked up by splitting up the Republican party in the later years. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Taft's kind of a drip.
1: Yeah. Uh, three C the, the, the starts of these uh, answers, I assume couldn't, uh, correspond to the cues of the you know, yeah.
0: Questions. So wait, are it supposed to take that the letter, that those Q, 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 Q are, are, they're,
1: le- they're actual questions. for th- some reason just abbreviated in, d- in there? Uh, David Foster Wallace just doesn't seem to like to show what kind of inquiry uh, Helen slash Hugh steeply does.
0: Okay, great. So you never see what her You never Q- see what the questions are. You only see are. what her responses are. Yeah. Or the responses are. Okay, great.
1: 3C. I cannot help you too much with the facts surrounding Dr. Incondenza's suicide. I know that he erased his own cartography in a grisly way. <laughs> I was told that in the year leading up to his death, Dr. Incondenza was abusing ethyl alcohol on a daily basis and was working on a whole new genre of film cartridge that Orrin at the time claimed was do- driving Dr. Inc. insane. 3E. The supposed cause of their separation is that Dr. Incandenza began using her in his work more and more extensively and eventually asked her to perform in the predominant, completely radical new type of filmed entertainment that supposedly was driving him to a breakdown. They supposedly became close, James and Joe Ellen. Apparently, Joelle's real name is Joe Ellen.
0: That would make sense from her Kentucky upbringing. Yeah.
1: Though, uh, Oren, in my judgment, is not a reliable source of information about their relationship. The only other apposite fact I have, and I have this not from Oren. Are but these from,
0: all six apposite?
1: Uh, apposite is that's a real thing. Oh, I'm I
0: thought it was a mispronunciation or spelling of opposite. No,
1: a- apposite. Isn't that just like a j- adjacent, according? Yeah, okay. Innocent female relative of mine who was briefly in a position to interface with our punter in an intimate and unguarded way, impossible between hetero males, is that some incident occurred in the Incandenza's Volvo involving one of the windows and a word. All I am given is that O reports that in the days prior to Dr. Incandenza's fellow to say, a so-called word appeared on a fogged window of Mrs. Ink's pale yellow Volvo, and the word cast a conjugal pall in all sorts of directions. This is it. We'll get back to that. Uh, five, the veiled warning typo, v a v a i l e d veiled warning typo. Because there
0: are typos in this.
1: Yes. You refer to, in my postal response to you, is simply that you have to take what Oren says in a fairly high sodium way. I'm not sure I would stand <laughs> and point at Oren as an example. Of,
0: not, uh, that's an eye roll for me, David. Oh, I love
1: it as an example of a classic classic pathological liar, but you have only to watch him in certain kinds of action to see that there can be such a thing as sincerity with a motive. I have no idea what your relationship with Orin is or what your feelings are, and if Orin wishes it, I am afraid I can predict your feelings for him will be strong. So I shall just tell you that, for instance, at ETA, I saw Orin in bars or at post-tournament dances go up to a young lady he would like to pick up and use this fail-safe cross-sectional pickup strategy that involved an opening like, "Tell me what sort of man you prefer," and then I'll affect the demeanor of that man which in a way, of course, is being almost pathologically open and sincere about the whole picking up enterprise, but also has this quality of, look at me being so totally open and sincere, I rise above the whole disingenuous posing process of attracting someone, and I transcend the common disingenuity in a bar heard in a particularly hip and witty self-aware way, and if you will let me pick you up, I will not only keep being this wittily transcendently open, but will bring you into this world of social falsehood transcendence. (laughs) which, of course, he cannot do because the whole openness demeanor thing is itself a purposive social falsehood. It is a pose of poselessness. Orrin and Condenza is the least open man I know. Spend a little time with Orrin's Uncle Charles, a.k.a. Gretel the cross-section dairy cow Tavis, if you want to see real openness in motion, and you will see that genuine pathological openness is about as seductive as Tourette's syndrome.
0: Uh, Orin is a PUA. He's a pickup artist. He sure is. He he's he's an early practitioner of the game.
1: Yeah, the game didn't come out until the early two thousands, right? I don't think so. Yeah.
0: But another thing that that uh you know, he's mind he's a mind freak. He's a mind freak. That Wallace is uh kind of predicting. Yeah. Like
1: Which a, now, oh my god, the basically like he's the opposite of an incel, but he's uh he's still use, like has the same like weird pathological view he's of like kind of seduction. A soft boy. He's he's he pretends to be a soft boy.
0: Well, he's using soft boy strategies. Mm.
1: All right. It is not that Oren and Condenza is a liar, but that I think he has come to regard the truth as constructed instead of reported. He came by this idea educationally is all I will add. He studied for almost 18 years at the feet of the most consummate mindfucker I've ever met. Mindfreaker. And even, tha- even now he remains so flummoxed he thinks the way to escape that person's influence is through renunciation and hatred of that person. Defining yourself in opposition to something is still being anaclytic on that thing, isn't it? I certainly think so. And men who believe they hate what they really fear they need are of limited interest, I find. <laughs> Again, I will remind you that Oren and I are on the outs a bit at the moment, so some of my judgments may be temporarily short on charity. One reason Oren is not a straight-out liar is that Oren is not a particularly skillful liar. The few times I saw him try consciously to lie were pathetic. This is one reason why his juvenile recreational chemical phase passed so quickly compared to some of our colleagues at ETA. If you are going to do serious drugs while you are still a minor and under your parents' roof, you are going to have to lie often and lie well. Orin was a strangely stupid liar. I am recalling there was one afternoon on Mrs. Clark's day off when Mrs. Ink had to go off and overfunction somewhere, and Oren <laughs> was supposed to babysit Mario and Hal, who were at the kind of crazed toddler age where they would hurt themselves if they were not closely supervised. And I was over, and Oren and I decided to dart up to the loft over the Weston house's garage to smoke a bit of Bob Hope, which is to say high-resin marijuana, and in the loft, ...wandered disastrously into the sort of... ...pseudo-philosophical mental labyrinth... ...that Bob-Smokers... ...Bob-Hope-Smokers are always wandering into... ...and getting trapped in... ...and wasting huge amount of time inside. Uh, Time takes us to uh, footnote A... This tendency to involuted abstraction is sometimes called marijuana thinking. And by the way, the so-called amotivational syndrome consequent to massive Bob Hope consumption is a misnomer. For it is not that Bob Hope smokers lose interest in practical functioning, but rather marijuana think themselves into labyrinths of of reflexive abstraction that seems to cast doubt on the very possibility of practical functioning and the mental labor of finding one's way out consumes all available attention and makes the Bob Hope smoker look physically torpid and apathetic and amotivated sitting there when really he is trying to claw his way out of a labyrinth. Note that the overwhelming hunger, the so-called munchies, that accompanies cannabis intoxication may be a natural defense mechanism against this kind of loss of practical function, says there is no more practical function anywhere
0: than foraging for food. Is there? Is this a footnote within his letter? Yep. Yeah. Okay, great. It's
1: a footnote within the endnote.
0: Okay, great. Uh I the ref, the referring to the weed as Bob Hope is reminding me of that Idol song about the heathen from Keaton. The heathen the from he-
1: Eaton with a bag of Michael Keaton. Yeah. And I think he also calls it a bag of Charlie Sheen.
0: Yeah. Is funny. A heathen from Eaton with a bag of Michael Keaton.
1: What a, great what is What's the name of that song? Don't trust a man with a perm.
0: Idols, don't trust a man with a I perm. Think that's great what song. It's Look it up. Official music wreck of the week.
1: Uh, wh- one of my favorite, I think, lo- low-key genius Kanye lines is referring to cocaine as a white girl.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the subtext. Uh, trapped and wasting huge amount of, t- of time inside an intellectual room they cannot negotiate their way out of. And by the time we hadn't resolved the abstract problem that had put us into the labyrinth, but just as always had gotten so hungry we abandoned it and stumbled out and down the loft's wooden ladder, the sun was all the way down on the other side of the sky over Wayland and Sudbury, and the whole afternoon had passed without Hal and Mario having received any protective supervision. And Hal and Mario somehow survived the afternoon, but when Mrs. Incandenza returned that night, she asked Oren what we and the supervised toddlers had done all afternoon, and Oren lied that we had all been right here, respectively playing and supervising. And Mrs. Incandenza expressed puzzlement to Oren because she said she had tried to call the house several times that afternoon but was unable to get through, and Orrin replied that while supervising, he had herded the toddlers carefully into rooms with phone jacks and made calls and had been on the roo- phone several times for long periods of time for this or that or the other thing, which was why she had been able to get through. At which Mrs. Incondenza, who was extremely tall, had blinked several times and looked very confused and said that, but the phone had not been busy. It had just rung and rung and rung. At a juncture like this, men and boys get separated in terms of prevarication, I submit. And all Oren could come up with was a steady gaze, as he said, as if from the rose garden, I have no response to that. Which... (laughs) Which incredibly stupid response he and I found very funny for weeks afterward, especially since Mrs. Incadenza never punished and refused to act as if she believed lying was even a possibility as far as her children were concerned, and treated an exploded lie as an insoluble cosmic mystery instead of an exploded lie. The worst instance of both Oren's mendacious idiocy and Mrs. Incandenza's unwillingness (laughs) to countenance an idiotic lie came one grisly day, soon after Oren had finally gotten his vehicle operator's license. O and I found ourselves with an idle weekday afternoon off in August after losing early at a synthetic grass tournament down at Longwood, and Hal was alive in what was then boys' tens, and thus a good bit of the ETA summer community was still down at Longwood, including Mario and Mrs. Incandenza, who'd been driven down, I remember, by a sort of swarthily foreign-looking manilial internist medical resident Mrs. Ink had introduced as a so-called dear and cherished friend, but hadn't explained how they'd met. Mm. And Dr. Incandenza was disposed and not in a position to bother anyone that day, I remember. Indisposed, did I say? And Oren and I had most of ETA to ourselves, even the gates portcullis unmanned and up and this being at the acme of our interest in such things we wasted little time in ingesting some sort of recreational substance. I cannot recall what kind, but I remember them as particularly impairing. And we decided, however, that we weren't yet impaired enough and decided to drive down the hill to one of the disreputable liquor stores along Commonwealth Avenue that accepted your word of honor as proof of age. And we hopped into the Volvo and blasted down the hill and down Commonwealth Avenue, severely impaired, and wondered, in a speculative way, why people on the sidewalks all along Commonwealth seemed to be waving at us and holding their heads and pointing and jumping wildly up and down, and Orrin waving cheerfully back and holding his own head in a sort of friendly imitation. But it was not until we got all the way down to the Commonwealth-Brighton-Nav split that the horrible realization hit us. Mrs. Incondenza, often during summer days, kept the Incandence's beloved dog, S. Johnson, leashed to the back of her Volvo within reach of his water and diet science, science diet bowls. And Orrin and I had peeled out in the car without even trying to check for whether S. Johnson was attached to it. Oh, Actually, God. I don't remember this. Oh, I will not try to describe what we found when we pulled into a parking lot and slunk to the rear of the car. Let's call it a nubbin'. Let's say what we found was a leash and a collar and a nubbin. Wow. <laughs> I did not remember this. Woof. According to the woof, literally. Yeah. According to the couple of witnesses who were able to speak, S. Johnson had made a valiant go of trying to keep up back there for at least a couple blocks down Commonwealth. But at some point, he either lost his footing or got his canine affairs in order and figures it was his day to shuffle off and gave up and hit the pavement. After which, the scene the witnesses described was unspeakable. There was fur and let's call it material down the middle of the inside eastbound lane for five or six blocks. What we had left to take slowly back up the academy's hill was a leash, a collar with tags describing medication allergies and food sensitivities and a nubbin of let's call it attached material
0: oh uh, uh, gross dude
1: the point is that i defy you to imagine how it yeah, felt like more
0: casually like horrific stuff yeah <laughs> i defy you to imagine so I guess it's been a while since he's really grossed me out with something in yeah this book. he's got
1: to gross you out every like 20 pages or so yeah The point is that I defy you to imagine how it felt later that day to stand there with Oren in the HMH living room before the prone and piteously weeping Mrs. Incondenza, and listen to Oren try to construct a version of events in which he and I had sensed somehow that S. Johnson was dying for a good, brisk August walk and were walking him down Commonwealth, which takes us to uh, footnote B. Now, Oren had never once walked S. Johnson. Oren was not even all that keen on S. Johnson because the dog was always trying to mate with his left leg. And anyway, S. Johnson was very much Mrs. Incandenza's dog. It was normally exercised only by Mrs. Incandenza and at rigidly specific times of day.
0: Is S. Johnson a reference to Samuel Johnson? Samuel Johnson?
1: Yeah. Uh down Commonwealth saying there we were walking good old S. Johnson demurely down the sidewalk when a hit and run driver not only swerved up onto the sidewalk to run the dog down, but then backed up and ran him over again and backed up and ran him over again and on and on more like a pulverize and run driver while Oren and I had stood there too paralyzed with horror and grief, even to think of noticing the make and color of the car, much less the fiend's license plate. Mrs. Incandenza on her knees there's something very, there's something surreal about a very tall woman on her knees, weeping and pressing her hand to her collarbone, but nodding in confirmation at every syllable of Oren spinning, spinning this pathetic lie. Oh, holding up the leash and collar and nubbin, Ugh, like exhibit A, me next to him wiping my forehead and wishing the immaculately polished and sterilized hardwood floor would swallow up the whole scene in Toto. God. Uh, number seven. Ms. Steeples, to my way of thinking, steeples. steeples, the word abuse is vacuous. Who can define abuse? The difficulty with really interesting cases of abuse is that the ambiguity of the abuse becomes part of the abuse. Thanks over the decades to the energetic exercise of your own profession, Ms. Steeley, we have all heard ACOAs <laughs> and Alatines and ACONAs and ACOGs and whiners relate clear cases of different kinds of abuse beatings diddlings rapes deprivations domineerment humiliation captivity torture excessive criticism or even just utter disinterest but at least the victims of this sort of abuse can when they have dredged it back up after childhood confidently call it abuse there are dear sorry there are however more ambiguous cases harder to profile one might say What would you call a parent who is so neurasthenic and depressive that any opposition to his parental will plunges him into the sort of psychotic depression where he does not leave his bed for days and just sits there in bed cleaning his revolver so that the child would be terrified of opposing his will and plunging him into a depression and maybe causing him to suicide? Would that child qualify as abused? Or a father who is so engrossed by mathematics that he gets engrossed helping his child with his algebra homework and ends up forgetting the child and doing it all himself so that the child gets an A in fractions but never in fact learns fractions. (laughs) Or even say a father who is extremely handy around the house and can fix anything and has the son help him but gets so engrossed in his projects, the father, that he never thinks to explain to the son how the projects actually get done so that the son's help never advances past simply handing the father a specified wrench or getting him lemonade or Phillips head screws until the day the father is crushed into aspic in a freak accident on the Jamaica Way and all opportunities for transgenerational instruction are forever lost and the son never learns how to be a handy homeowner himself. And when things malfunction around his own one-room home, he has to hire contemptuous, filthy-nailed men to come fix them and feels terribly (laughs) inadequate, the son, not only because he is not handy, but because this handiness seemed to him to have represented to his father everything that was independent and manly and non-disabled in an American male. Would you cry abuse if you were the unhandy son looking back? Worse could you call it abuse without feeling that you were a pathetic self-indulgent piss puddle what with all the genuine cases of hair-raising physical and emotional abuse diligently reported and analyzed daily by conscientious journalists and profiled (laughs) i am not sure whether you could call this abuse but when i was long ago abroad in the world of dry men i saw parents (laughs) usually upscale and educated and talented and functional and white patient and loving and supportive and concerned and involved in their children's lives, profligate with compliments, and diplomatic with constructive criticism, loquacious in their pronouncements of unconditional love for and approval of their children. Conforming to every last jot slash tittle in any conceivable definition of a good parent, I saw parent after unimpeachable parent who raised kids who were A, emotionally retarded, or B, (laughs) lethally self-indulgent, or C, chronically depressed, or D, borderline psychotic, or E, consumed with narcissistic self-loathing, or F, neurotically driven slash addicted, or G, variously psychosomatically disabled, or H some conjunctive permutation of A through G. Why is this? Why do many parents who seem relentlessly bent on producing children who are who they feel are good persons, uh who feel they are good persons deserving of love, produce children who grow to feel they are hideous persons not deserving of love, who just happen to have lucked into having parents so marvelous that the parents love them even though they are hideous.
0: I have a theory about that.
1: Hold on to it. Is it a sign of abuse if a mother produces a child who believes not that he is innately beautiful and loving and deserving of magnificent maternal treatment, but somehow that he is a hideous, unlovable child who is somehow lucked into having a really magnificent mother? Probably not. (laughs) But could such a mother then really be all that magnificent if that's the child's view of himself? Mm. I am not speaking about my own mother, who was decapitated by a plummeting rotor blade long before (laughs) she could have much effect on one way or the other on my older brother, an innocent younger sister and me. I think, Mrs. Starkley, (laughs) that I am speaking of Mrs. Avril, M.T. in Cadenza, although the woman is so multi-leveled and indictment-proof that it is difficult to feel comfortable with any sort of univocal accusation of anything. Something just was not right, is the only way to put it. Something creepy, even on the culturally stellar surface. For instance, after Oren had pretty clearly killed her beloved dog, S. Johnson, in a truly awful, if accidental, way, and then had tried to evade responsibility for it with a lie that a parent far less intelligent than Avril could have seen right through, Mrs. Ink's response was not only conventionally abusive, but seemed almost too unconditionally loving and compassionate and selfless to possibly be true. Her response to Orrin's pathetic, pulverize-and-run driver lie was not to act credulous so much as to act as if the entire grotesque fiction had never reached her ears. And her response to the dog's death itself was bizarrely furcated. On the one hand, she mourned S. Johnson's death very deeply, took the leash and collar and canine nubbin tenderly and arranged lavish memorial and funer- funeral arrangements, including a heartbreakingly small cherry wood coffin cried in audible private for weeks, etc. But the other half of her emotional energies went into being overly solicitous and polite toward Orin, upping the daily compliment and reinforcement dose, arranging for favorite foods at ETA meals, having his favorite little tennis appurtenances appear magically in his bed and locker with loving notes attached, basically making the thousands of little gestures by which the technically stellar parent can make her child feel particularly valued, let's take a uh, footnote C, Yes, all right, this may start to touch on it. Not valuable, but valued. All out of concern that Orrin in no way thinks she resented him for S. Johnson's death or blamed him or loved him less in any way because of the whole incident. Not only was there no punishment or even visible pique, but the love and support bombardment increased. And this was all coupled with elaborate machinations to keep the mourning and funeral ra- arrangements and moments of wistful dog remembrances hidden from orrin for fear that he might see that the moms was hurt and so feel bad or guilty so that in his presence mrs inc became even more cheerful and loquacious and witty and intimate and benign even suggesting in oblique ways that life was now somehow better without the dog that some kind of unrecognized albatross had been somehow removed from her neck and so on and so forth what does a trained analyst of our cultural profiles soft contours like yourself make of this mrs stark saddle (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> is it mind-bogglingly considerate and loving and supportive or is there something creepy about it maybe a more perspicuous question was the almost pathological generosity with which Mrs. Ink responded to her own son or taking, t- sorry, responded to her son taking her car in an intoxicated condition and dragging her beloved dog to its grotesque death and then trying to lie his way out of it was this generosity for Orrin's sake or for Avril's own Was it Oren's self-esteem she was safeguarding or her own vision of herself as a more stellar mom's than any human son could ever hope to feel he merits? When Oren does this impression of Avril, which I doubt you or anyone else can get him to do anymore, though it was a party stopper back in our days at the academy, what he will do is assume an enormous warm and loving smile and move steadily toward you until he is in so close that his face is spread up flat against your own face and your breaths mingle, If you can get to experience it, the impression, which will seem worse to you, the smothering proximity, or the unimpeachable warmth and love with which it's affected. For some reason now, I am thinking of the sort of philanthropist who seems humanly repellent, not in spite of his charity, but because of it. On some level, you can tell that he views the recipients of his charity not as persons, so much as pieces of exercise equipment on which he can develop and demonstrate his own virtue. What's creepy and repellent is that this is this sort of philanthropist clearly needs privation and suffering to continue since it is his own virtue he prizes instead of the ends to the virtue to which the virtue is ostensibly directed. Everything Oren's mother is about is always terribly well ordered and multivalent. I suspect she was badly abused as a child. I have nothing concrete to back this up. But if, Ms. Bainbridge, you have yielded your own charms to Oren, and if Orin strikes you as a wonderfully gifted and giving lover, which by various accounts he is, not just skilled and sensuous, but magnificently generous, empathic, attentive, loving, if it seems to you that he does truly derive his own best pleasure from giving you pleasure, you might wish to reflect soberly on this vision of Oren imitating his dear moms as a philanthropist, a person closing in, arms open wide, smiling. That's the letter from Sapergenic Greetings.
0: What do you think? Uh, that should probably be it. Is there anything more in that correspondence thing in the main text? Uh, nope. Just on to the next thing? Yes, we should probably wrap there. Okay. Um, on page 666. Oh, hell yeah. I will, our, hail Satan. Hail Satan. Uh, hail yourself. Um, <laughs> difficult. Yikes. Yes. Uh, that thing about the anthropologist let's work backwards That thing about the anthropologist in virtue uh, at the very end uh, of course like all things reminds me of of people trying to uh, depict their their own outrage about things online uh, which is always 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 tinged with not not for equal to be maximally generous for each Equal parts actual outrage about the subject is also the, the desire to display a virtue about yourself.
1: Look at me, caring.
0: Look at me, caring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? uh,
1: but one of the, I, th- I think, hit, you know, the history of and the th- internet in yeah. particular will put 2020 as a time of, uh you know, virtue virtue posting as kind of like well, finding the, the, the limit of it. Like era,
0: yes. The whole like post-Trump era. Yes, the whole
1: post-Trump era, but uh, finding a climax in I think, let's yeah. say, summer 2020. Well,
0: and I think that it is a thing that um, that everybody does and everybody wants to do, uh, you know. Um, and, and part of it is a very natural instinct and urge. Mm. Um, you know, I think that, you know, people go into like being, you know, pro- I don't know, professional... In- Nonprofit or charity workers, eh, because they do actually want to uh, help people. But I think that part of that urge to help is to find some kind of personal meaning in yourself, and and part yes. of that is being seen as someone who helps people. Yes. Uh, and you know, I don't think that that it's a negative or like cynical quality sometimes at all, and and you know, de- definitely in general. But it is. It's always just so hilariously obvious online yes you know because all you see are the little words and it's like the I can little see, words i can see what you're doing here <laughs> it's, yeah it's obvious
1: yeah and like i understand you know we talked about that two years ago just like yeah. posting uh, i i i felt better once i realized that posting posting at the end of the day makes you feel better yeah you, you are posting for yourself
0: my my yes my my number one Cohen, isn't that the right word Cohen. yeah yeah k-o-a-n yeah uh, online is that in the end posting the bottom, makes y- you feel good is that you are the target you are, you are the o- one and only target audience of your own tweets you're always just tweeting at yourself you're
1: tweeting at yourself you're, you're finding uh, yourself through, through what you post uh, which is why my favorite yeah,
0: that's how you should read everybody else's posts
1: my favorite type of philanthropy is uh, the, I think the, Ch- the Chad philanthropist donates under the name Anonymous.
0: Anonymous. You really have to.
1: Sorry. Although I do think it's funny. Uh, for example, at my college, a brand new uh, building opened up a music building. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know how I was made aware of this, but they were basically doing offerings of mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the building itself was named, uh, but there were other other opportunities to get your name on the building somehow, including bathroom stalls. Huh. Yes. I and like I was like, oh, fuck. I would love to donate a bathroom stall, but wouldn't That'd it be, be funny, funny to donate it to like a... Um, like a favored dive bar yes. of being like, uh when I die, I'm gonna grant you I'm gonna bequeath you something to keep you running, uh, but you have to call it the Molly Mary O'Brien Memorial bathroom stall for yes. time memorial. You can do cocaine in it, you can have sex in it, but it's my bathroom stall. <laughs> it's my bathroom stall.
0: Uh, yeah. If you go into a building that has like a list of donors, uh, like engraved on the front of it, and, and you see an anonymous in the top five, that guy, <laughs> that guy, that person's a Chad. That person's
1: a Chad. Yes, they might still be doing it for a tax write-off, but they're not getting that flood of. Uh, they're not getting
0: their name on a little plaque in the lobby. They're,
1: they're not getting that fl- flush of uh, happy chemicals in your brain, uh, which, as we all know, is unsustainable anyway. D- philanthropy, philanthropy for philanthropy can't speak today philanthropy Philanthropy for philanthropy's sake is a a drug like like any other
0: um and then moving backwards the thing about like neurotic children i think that the, (sighs) the difficulty there comes from uh the the fool's errand of trying to make your kids successful rather than fool
1: yes uh i think here's my thoughts on this if you are still if the main point of your parenting seems to be to cultivate a person who needs to exist in a society, which mm-hmm. is to say like someone who has a job goes to
0: a good school, makes and a lot of money. Wears a hat and he has a job. What's What song is that? Brings home the bacon so that no one knows. It's Mongoloid by Devo. Oh, okay. Wonderful.
1: Uh, if that is the point, you are probably fucking up. Yeah. Uh, unconditional love is one of the best uh, things that you can do for a person in general. But if it had, a lot of things are conditional. A lot of people yep. think that they are giving unconditional love, but there are conditions, and they are not realizing that Ter- they are putting them on terms it. and conditions. May terms apply. and conditions may apply. Not all um, at, per- at participating locations. <laughs> Talk about again redeeming love. It should not be redeeming a coupon. Yes, that's meant for deals. Love should just should just be yes. a thing. You either love someone unconditionally, or you don't. Terms of
0: love love terms and conditions may apply. That's a real nineties uh, dating locations. That's a that's a real like nineties. That's like uh, ad style. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. That's funny. That's funny. Oh, uh, uh, that dog thing is really horrific. The nubbin, oh, describing
1: gross. the the nubbin and the leash and the collar. <laughs> oh, God, They say this as one of a uh, one of the extremely annoying backyard dogs uh, yeah. in our neighborhood is a. Uh, roof roofing yeah.
0: um uh, another one of those just casually gross things he needs to pull out about every like 60 pages to remind the you car- yeah just cartoonish violence yeah, exactly that's like looney tune shit
1: or just even that marlon bain's parents dot like his his mother got decapitated by, by a helicopter, helicopter blade yeah, like
0: middle of comav or whatever
1: just the the absurdity of this violence I'm referring to
0: his dad as being turned into aspect <laughs> turned into aspect on the jamaica like service <laughs> road <laughs>
1: It is, well, to so let's unpack that a little bit because it reminds me of one of Felix's This Is Us episodes where he's talking about uh, This Is Us.
0: Possibly. Or like
1: just one of those tragedy network uh, dramas. Shows where
0: it's like, how could this many bad things happen to one family?
1: And it makes your own life seem better because yeah. every second person in your life isn't getting terminal cancer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when yeah. actually you should expect a little bit more of your life uh, rather than just hope it, hoping that the worst won't happen. Yeah. Uh, I th- I think there's something in there in this as well of like pairing so much cartoonish senseless violence with then the kind of dr- creeping dread that is the actual enemy of the human spirit mm-hmm. uh, related to, I don't know, watching too much television and seeing too many advertisements.
0: Yes. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's also, I think just like literarily it, a good strategy for something that is like so purposely verbose. Uh, and heady and intellectual. To every once in a while, have something that like simple and blunt and horrific to kind of hit you on the back of the head, like a, like hit you in the back of the head with a hammer. and yeah. be like, hey. Yeah,
1: you have an agoraphobic. Agoraphobic is when you don't want to yeah, leave the house. You have a, you have an agoraphobic uh, former tennis partner. Of uh, one of the incondensas being investigated by a uh, like uh, CIA level operative uh, posing as a uh, voluptuous uh, journalist woman, and he his parents died in a helicopter accident. He's got some weird. He's experienced these traumatic moments with uh, Avril and condensa Like it's yeah. just all the it's there's just so much going on. Yes. What, here's the question that I need to pose, which is that he's talking about doing some pretty high level hallucinogens at a young age. Mm-hmm. Did he do DMZ?
0: Uh, I don't know. I feel like the last time we left off, like the the drug world of this book, there's like a large number of designer hallucinogens in circulation.
1: Yeah, Happy Patches.
0: Happy Patches. It's the one I really isn't that do. one of the first real long footnotes is just a long list of drugs that are that people use in the universe. Yeah.
1: I think so. Yeah, the early stuff was just drug drug info because the early text was like, uh, "we weed, weed addict." Oh, that was the last thing I was talking about. Marijuana thinking.
0: Marijuana thinking.
1: The the idea that uh, people on weed aren't lazy; they're actually just paralyzed by weed thoughts. Yes,
0: until the the cycle is broken by the uh, desire to eat. Yeah. <laughs> um. Somebody speaking of early themes in this book. Somebody added uh, us recently. Uh, with a new news news article news hit that uh, scientists have genetically modified hamsters to be large and hyper aggressive.
1: Yes, which <laughs> the they, were, which,
0: they uh, which they pinged and was like more stuff from Infinite Infinite yes, yes yes coming yes. Uh, coming to life and the fun thing was I hadn't even thought about the giant hamsters or the fit the the hamsters aren't giant they're just feral herds of them right
1: they are big because they're radioactive okay yeah
0: um because even though that was a detail mentioned a few times in the early part of the book i don't think that that has been brought up in our timeline since winter 2020 possibly yeah
1: i think that's right
0: uh so um, there was
1: a passage that basically described like you really shouldn't be in the concavity to begin with but if you are Definitely don't fuck with these, these hamsters. hamsters. Also, isn't there a cult of, the, oh, there's the cult of the fair, the baby, mm-hmm. the irradiated baby, mm-hmm. where people go into the woods and try to worship like the but, infant. Yes. Uh, but no one, no hamster cult.
0: But again, that stuff hasn't been mentioned in this book for like hundreds of pages. Totally.
1: And honestly, probably won't be mentioned that much again.
0: Yeah. It seems like a seems like a pretty big thing, a substantial thing to bring up and never do again. But that's why he's the he's the boss. It's that it's Another, that little a,
1: color, you know. A, a
0: lesser writer would make their entire book about the feral hamsters.
1: <laughs> I mean, it is one of my favorite. I am a huge sucker uh, for just like the kind of speculative fiction where you just do world building that you kind of don't yeah. visit again, but it's just enough color to be like, oh, that's funny.
0: Molly, we should really watch Darth Mer- Garth Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. I think you'd really like that that show. It's, okay, it's like a British Adult Swim show. It stars Matt Berry, like an early Matt Berry performance from the Bald Man. No, Matt Berry from um, what we do in the shadows. Oh, okay. You know the one who talks like this. Okay, got it. Um, I like him. He plays like a Stephen King esque writer. Okay. it's the thing that you've probably seen the gif of. Because uh, he, it's like. It, the 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 main show itself is like a parody of like maybe Stephen King or Twin Peaks type stuff, but it's like bookended by the fictional author of the book, yeah, like talking about it, and that's where the gif of of him being like, "I know authors who use subtext, and they're all cowards." <laughs> <laughs> I may be the only author author who's written more books than he's read. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I think I like those things a lot because honestly, I want books for my guys like that. Yeah. Subtext is for cowards. <laughs> subtext is for cowards. Make make your subtext text, you idiot. Yeah, exactly. Subtext is for people who uh, who don't trust their ideas enough to actually just say them, which is, you know, yeah, there's radioactive concavity. There's giant hamsters there.
1: Yeah. It's not, it's not a, yeah.
0: I would not call Wallace a very uh, subtextual author. He's verbose, but it usually spells out exactly what's going on.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he he actually doesn't. Well, the, okay. So there is. Some, I would say there's subtext, but it's so large and unwieldy. Well, it's also, that it it's our job. For example, I just feel like we have to bring this back, especially since there's some stuff that's happening in the near future that I think is going to relate to mm-hmm. it. Where where does the title Infinite Jest come from, Chris? It comes it's from ro- Hamlet. Hamlet.
0: Hamlet. Who?
1: What's what's the name of the uh, youngest
0: boy? Uh, in, Hal. in Prince Hal. Prince Hal. Yeah. What
1: are we, What are we doing here?
0: It's a, it's all just Hamlet. Well,
1: it's all just Hamlet, man.
0: So wait, so are we just say that the that perhaps uh, um, J O was not suicided, but was perhaps killed by Charles Tavis?
1: Mm, that's an interesting theory that you bring up.
0: <laughs> See, I, we should only, definitely put a pin in that. It's only taken me six hundred sixty six pages. I'll,
1: uh, please, just, it took me. It took me a. Uh, three reads to get I, that. I don't know if you guys know this if you're listening to this podcast right now i'm not very smart <laughs> i know a lot of <laughs> words but honestly i'm kind of an idiot i need i don't like subtext because i do think i need things spelled out for me i'm kind of dumb i'm sorry i, I there, there's certain things that my brain works better if you just tell me just come out and tell me i'm a capricorn venus just uh. just li- just lay it out lay it out on the line anyway uh, more, yeah, we honestly, I should read. We, we just talked about this this fucking podcast before that we need to read Hamlet, Hamlet. again.
0: Well, I just saw the Northman. It's basically the same thing.
1: <sighs> Most things are the Hamlet. Uh, kill, are the Hamlet? You uncle, have to fight aven- your dad.
0: Kill uncle, avenge mother. Well, that you have to fight your uncle in Hamlet. Okay. Kill uncle, ave- save mother, avenge father.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> those are the three. Those are the three things. That's like the literally the tagline to the Northman. <laughs> kill uncle, save mother, avenge father that's
1: all we that's all we have to do but sometimes you have to kill your father and avenge your uncle <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's what um the avenging uncle that's what uh, red F- or sky blue has to do in lmfao <laughs> we watched- his kid, he has to kill his grandfather barry gordy <laughs> and avenge his uncle we watched uh, <laughs> red uh
0: spider-man 2002 last night uh and Loki. One of the funniest moments of that is at the very end when Peter's visiting Ben's grave. and It says, "Beloved husband and uncle." And <laughs> uncle. <laughs> oh man. Honestly,
1: I have at least one uncle that de- deserves that beloved uh, uncle d- deserves that headstone. Yeah. Would you have anything that you would like? Do you want like a gag on your headstone? I definitely don't want beloved my wife and mother
0: uh, miss me with that bullshit. Uh. Lol, comma, LMAO. Oops,
1: oopsie. <laughs> um uh, how about ah well nevertheless. <laughs> ah well nevertheless. Um She died as she lived, uh being a fucking uh baller. <laughs> fucking <it>, wee ball. <laughs> fucking <it>, wee ball. <laughs> <laughs>
0: got the deal got the got the buzz got the deal got the buzz uh, what i really like is an ba-
1: interchangeable letter board on my gravestone yeah, so that anyone who visits can
0: uh mess with uh how about uh how about he really went for it
1: <laughs> oh shit oh shit he about to do it <laughs> <laughs> here come dat boy <laughs> oh, a lot of options a lot of options uh, it's it's hard to pick one
0: anyway anyway that's that's about it yeah. for this um I don't even. We've already talked for a long time. I don't even want to get to it because I feel like the last time we were talking about Orin and um, the moms, we were bringing up the possibility of of mother son sexual abuse.
1: Uh, yeah. Well,
0: I don't feel like that's that deeply addressed here, but.
1: Eh, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely a thing, but it's it's not something I want to talk don't, about. Yeah, every I don't really know about it. Perhaps
0: it's not even. I don't know. Perhaps it's not even directly abused as much as fixation. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Just something to stick a pin in. Uh, I feel like we were having fun there at the end, then I brought it right down before I hit the stop <laughs> button. Well. But whatever. Oh, a thing that we haven't mentioned in a while. Um, uh, uh You can send us an email at theinfinitecastpod at Uh, Or just DM us. Or just DM us. Uh, rate, rate, review, subscribe on the iTunes. It's been a while since we've gotten a review. I don't know if that actually helps people. Uh, find out anymore. I I don't really know how people find podcasts. Uh, right now the po- the podcast space seems a little uh bifurcated. Tell at the moment between what and what. I guess not bifurcated. Forkeded, M- multifurcated, multifurcated. Is just fricated a word?
1: I thought a multifurcated. For for Cated,
0: I just don't. I'm not sure, and this should be something I professionally inquire about, like the primacy of the iTunes uh, podcast listing app for like finding and.
1: Oh yeah, finding out where people are, are getting their pods.
0: But no, give us a review on iTunes because it makes me feel good. Yeah, um, but only be nice. Yes, but only be nice. Uh, to hear
1: saprogetic greetings elsewhere, if you're <laughs> going to, to be mean about
0: it. Greetings elsewhere. Uh, what is the the line? Something about isn't when a, you care enough to let a the, professional say it for you. Yes. Uh, When you care, uh, our podcast, when you care enough to let a professional say it for you. (laughs) All right. That's enough. Okay. Uh, See you next week.